Welcome to the Explorers Podcast, exploring the world of language learning, exploring the world by learning languages. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Explorers Podcast, Episode 1. I'm David, and Carlos will be joining me later. For the Explorers Podcast series, we're planning a series of conversations with people who have interesting and fun stories from their personal language learning journeys. We will focus particularly on how our guest language learning has led them to unexpected places and situations. For our first conversation today, Carlos from the Lexplorers team will talk about his Lexploration in Korean and how it has quite dramatically affected his recent life and his future plans. Before we get into our conversation with Carlos, I wanted to talk a little about another major project that we are kicking off this week, the Couch to Korean Challenge. This will be the first, hopefully of many, major language learning adventures that we will be writing about on the Lexplorers.com site. During the Couch to Korean Challenge, I will be the guinea pig for a year-long experiment with one simple goal, to start from scratch with absolutely no knowledge of the Korean language and then learn as much Korean as possible within one calendar year. I will share the experience as I progress from a complete beginner toward the goal of being able to read, speak, and understand the Korean language. You can follow my progress on the Lexplorers.com site. Now, on to our conversation with Carlos, who is one of the original Lexplorers. Carlos and I have known each other for almost 20 years, and we've been working together to plan out and set up the Lexplorers site. Today, Carlos will be sharing his excellent story of learning Korean as an adult and how it has dramatically changed his life. Carlos, are you there? I am here. Excellent. All right. So, Carlos, you have a great story about learning Korean. Um, but I wanted to start with your early experience with language learning. Yeah. So I first started learning um, any kind of different language back in eighth grade in high school. And um, at that time in Somerville, we had to take a foreign language. We had to take Spanish. Um, so I did that. And at the time, I really wasn't into it. And I think that's mostly because, you know, we were forced to do it. And there was also this thing in high school about the language department teachers. Um, they were just known for being really strict and the students really didn't like them. Um, so I think a combination of it being high school, being forced to do something and having a kind of a feud with the, um, the language department, um, <clears throat> I just really didn't enjoy it. So it wasn't a good experience at all. No. And did that uh, scar you for life and turn you off uh, language learning for life? Or at the time, it just didn't seem like anything that you wanted to do? Yeah, I didn't really. I wouldn't say it scarred me or anything, but I just thought I just never really thought I ever would need to know another language. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really give it much thought. I just thought, you know, all my friends, family, we speak English. Um, why would I need to learn another English? You know, I'm in America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which you know, might, might sound strange coming from someone named Carlos. <laughs> yeah, I got that a lot growing up, working at uh, Market Basket when I was 14, and, you know, I had the little name tag that said Carlos, and there was a lot of Spanish speakers that came in there. So, you know, every day uh, I would have people coming in trying to speak Spanish to me, and I'd have to explain, <laughs> I I'm sorry, I know my name is Carlos, I look like I should speak Spanish, uh, but I just only, I only speak English. You know, I grew up, I grew up in an English-speaking um, household and, you know, all my family and all my friends, that's all we ever spoke. So you learned a little Spanish in, in high school, but you didn't really enjoy it. And then you, you didn't have anything to do with foreign languages for a while. So 
then what happened? So basically, uh, the older I got, uh, I matured up a little bit. Um, I didn't go to college right out of high school. So that's something that I wanted to um, eventually conquer. Um, so I decided I wanted to go back and get my bachelor's degree. And this was about three years ago. And at that time, I also decided that I wanted to do other things in my life that I really haven't done before. So one of the things I wanted to do was conquer my fear of flying. Terrified of flying, hate planes, I just think the worst. Um, and then I also uh, wanted to take a vacation somewhere out of the country. I have only ever been to, I think, Aruba for a cruise and Canada. So that really doesn't count as leaving. Um, so I wanted to experience something totally new, totally different. I wanted to be uh, somewhere where, you know, language. I wanted to go somewhere where I didn't know the language. Um, I couldn't understand the street signs, just everything. I just wanted to do something totally different. So, so um, what, what led you to that from, you know, this very safe monolingual environment where everyone speaks English and, and you can be understood to just decide, I want to go somewhere where I don't understand anything that's going on around me? Well, um, I actually – I like to just be a little different. I like to do stuff that uh, my typically my friends don't really like to do. And I just – I've been living the same kind of dreary life, and I just wanted to change up my life. I wanted to do something totally new. And like I said, I got a little bit older and more mature, and I just wanted to experience um, new things, something outside of my bubble. Mm -hmm. Okay. So so what? how'd you do it? How'd you go about it? Um, so I decided that, you know, I wanted to do go somewhere in Asia. And I, at the time, I really was only familiar with Japan. So I was kind of thinking, okay, let's go to Japan and uh, let's make that my destination. Um, so what I did was I joined a site online called Interpals. It's short for International Pen Pals. And you can basically go – it's like an, a language exchange website. So I was going on there to kind of meet somebody, um, a local guide for the trip. Um, so on this site, I met somebody from Korea, actually. And um, So you were planning to go to Japan, but you met someone from Korea. Exactly. <laughs> I know, yeah, I'm all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. So cause you, can, you can meet people from all sorts of countries. And I was meeting a whole bunch of different people. I met this one girl from Korea, and uh, you know we, we were talking and became friends. And I started to become interested in her culture. And then I decided, you know, I think Korea is kind of a cool place. You know, I'd like to go visit Korea. And that's how I decided initially um, to go to go there instead. Mm -hmm. and, and at the time, did you know anything about Korea or Korean? I knew nothing at all. Everything it was totally foreign to me, uh, which was part of the reason it appealed to me because I knew mm -hmm. nothing about it. So, so you planned this big adventure. Um, getting on a plane, even though you had this deathly fear of flying, going to a country that you didn't really know anything about and where they speak a language that you didn't speak at all. <laughs> yeah, it was different and it was exciting and I just, just wanted to go for it. All right. So so how did you go about preparing for this trip? Um, so obviously one of the first things I wanted to do was learn Korean. Um, I thought that that would be a great way, obviously, to kind of um, prepare myself so I could maybe speak a little or at least understand some street signs and some, know some important sayings, um, how to greet myself, how to ask for something, mm -hmm. uh, 
just, you know, I just wanted to prepare and have a little better knowledge of the language. Mm -hmm. Something which um, I never thought that I want to do, especially after taking uh, the, the Spanish in high school. <laughs> um, so I was looking. Um, there's a lot of different resources. You can. There's a lot of books, uh, online resources. And I looked at a, a local university, MIT, actually had a volunteer-run Korean class uh, free of charge. Hmm. Um, so I looked into that, and I decided to, um, to try that class. It was once a week. Uh, every Thursday for two hours. Yeah, so I went to that class, and I, they taught me the alphabet, um, a few ways to introduce yourself, and kind of like the bare basics of Korean. Mm -hmm. and, and these were native Korean speakers that were teaching you? Yes, these were native Korean speakers, uh, current MIT students who were volunteering their time to do this. Okay. And because they were volunteers, it wasn't, you know, a professional class. It was kind of, you know, makeshift and mm -hmm. uh, piecework, but it, it worked. I was able to learn the alphabet. <laughs> so you learned the alphabet, which would allow you to read signs. Learned how to spell my name. Learned how to spell your name. Good. <laughs> okay. And, and so then you bought a ticket and you went to Korea. That's right. So how did that, how did that? <laughs> so, you know, when all the talk was done, I got on the plane and I braced myself. It was a 15-hour flight, uh, which was crazy. So, uh, so but you you had a fear of flying, yeah. and you signed up for a 15-hour flight. Right. Okay. I just thought that if I'm gonna conquer that fear, you know, what's a one, two-hour flight gonna do? You just gotta go all the way and just do something totally crazy. And, um, and it worked. You got there. It worked. I got there. Um, you flew into Seoul? Flew into Seoul, yeah. And then, so what was it like when you, you walked off the plane in Korea? So that first moment was just total jaw-dropping culture shock. As soon as I got off the plane, uh, you know, obviously I knew what to expect, uh, but it was really interesting to see, unlike where I'm from, there's just a huge diverse mixture of people. It was basically all Koreans. You know, everyone had the same black hair, the same style of clothes, and, you know, they're just all Korean. And it was like, whoa, this is really different than anything I've ever experienced before. <laughs> so that was the glaring thing uh -huh. when I first got there. And could you read the signs in the airport? Um, Yeah, I, I if I just sat there and kind of tried really slowly, I could read all the signs. Yeah. That's one thing, you know, I learned about Korean is the alphabet is pretty cool where – each letter has its own distinct sound, and that's it. It's, there's no other way to pronounce it. Mm -hmm. um, so even though if I don't know what the words mean, I'm at least able to pronounce the word or at least read the words, which is pretty cool. And, and you'd learn essential phrases like, uh, where's the bathroom? Um, well, I think at that time, I could just say bathroom. <laughs> I don't think I could say where is. You say bathroom and shrug your shoulders and... They'll take pity on you and point in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you have to do. No, I'm a foreigner. I don't speak the language. Okay, so you went in Seoul and um, you saw some sites. You. Um. So the first thing I did was I met up with Hayong. Okay. That's the and girl the... that I was talking to. Okay, and and she was real. She existed. She was real and she existed and. Uh, you know, I was a little bit worried because although we had Skyped before, you never really know what you're getting until you meet somebody in person. Right. 
I think right around the time you went, there had been a story in the news about some um, kid who had gone to China to meet a girl that he met online and he showed up and she wasn't there and he ended up sleeping on a park bench and the police picked him up and kicked him out of the country. Yeah, yeah, that was in the kind of in the back of my mind. I was really hoping, you know, I wouldn't be that guy. Yeah, I'm glad you weren't that guy. Yeah, I was. I was pleasantly uh, surprised and very happy that she was uh, who she said she was. So that was nice. Good. So, so you had a guide right away. She helped you. Yep. So uh, once I got settled in, uh, we did a lot of cool things. I saw a lot of um, temples and traditional Korean houses. Um, we so we went to the Norebang, which is a Korean style karaoke. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's very popular over there. And what what's different is you basically just rent a, a room with your friends and you just do the karaoke and you, you play instruments and you just scream and there's disco lights and you have the whole room to yourself. And uh, that was a lot of fun. That's very, very popular over there. And did you sing K-pop or were you singing uh, some old American standards? What, what kind I of was singing the American jams. Okay. Because you know, I can only speak English, so <laughs> I was pretty limited to what I was able to sing. But Hey Young and her friend, um, they were singing all the cr- crazy Korean songs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and one of the really cool things that I was looking forward to go, um, seeing there was the cat cafe that they have. I'm not sure if you're Uh-oh. familiar with that. Is this where they uh, they eat cat? This is not where they eat cat. No, okay. This is <laughs> no, that would be uh, maybe 40 years ago. But, okay. Uh, do they have dog cafes where they eat dogs? Uh, they have dog cafes, but I don't think you're allowed to eat the dogs either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, actually, these are just like coffee shops, uh-huh. and they have cats just all over the place. And you can pet them. You can feed them. Um, if they jump on your lap, you can, you know, just have them sit there. And, you know, you just play and mingle with the cats while you have a cup of coffee. And that was really cool. And what what's the appeal there? Is do people not have cats as pets? Is that the only exposure they have to cats? Um, a lot of people don't really have the exposure because in Korea, there's not too many homes. It's more just everyone lives in these high rise apartment complexes, and a lot of those places you're not allowed to have pets. Ah. So it's not like here you just you know you have a house and then another house and another house. That's not too common over there at all. It's mainly just apartment high rises for the okay. most part. So the crazy cat lady in Korea would have to hang out at the cat cafe all day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or outside. So while you were there, did you speak Korean? Could you understand what people were saying? Um I tried to speak some Korean. I could basically say hello and, hey, it's nice to meet you. Uh, but my accent was, you know, so bad that a simple thing like asking for water. In Korean, you mul means water. Um, but I tried asking the waitress that, and she just looked at me like, what? What are you saying? <laughs> and I just thought that if you can't understand that, then I can't even attempt to try to say anything else uh-huh. because you can understand me. Um did everybody just switch to English when you tried to say something in Korean? Um, some people, but not a lot of people knew English. Okay. But that's why I had Hang right by my side to translate. So. Ah, your trusty guide. Yes, clutch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was able to read a lot of things. You know, I just had to take my time and I could pronounce the words. Um, but understanding, I really couldn't understand. People spoke too fast for me. Um, so I had a hard time um, listening. Listening comprehension was difficult. Okay, 
Okay. How would it have been different if you if you hadn't had uh, a Korean speaker when you were visiting? So if I didn't have Heyang, I would probably do a lot of. Um, for instance, if I'm at the restaurant, I'd try to read off the menu, and then if that didn't work, or I should say when that didn't work, I would just point to what I wanted. Uh-huh. Can I have this? Can I have this? And because a lot of the menus, there was pictures of the items. Uh-huh. So that was helpful. Um, but if I was, I'm not sure if I was in a position where I was in a restaurant and there was no pictures and I couldn't read, I don't know what I would do. Maybe I would just try to say chicken in English. <laughs> chicken, you have chicken. <laughs> or I would just look to my neighbor and whatever they have, I can just, oh, can I have that? <laughs> you know, I don't know. It would have been really difficult. So what was the, the most interesting thing you ate when you were there? <sighs> the most interesting thing I ate. Well, if people aren't really familiar with Korean culture, the way um, they have meals, it's basically one social event where you just order a main dish in the middle of the table. You have a lot of side dishes around it, and everybody kind of just shares and picks off the same plate as everybody else. So you really don't order your own individual meals. Um, So... I would say my two favorite meals are bulgogi, which is a kind of beef or pork dish, and samgyeopsal, which is a pork dish. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, it's kind of just – I can't really explain it. Um, they just use a lot of different seasonings and, and the way they cook and a lot of noodles and kimchi. And it's all just, you know, Korean style. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say anything that's particularly strange. Because I don't eat seafood, and they have a lot of seafood uh, meals that would be interesting. Okay. Like yeah. live octopus. Oh, live yeah. octopus. Some people eat live octopus. How do you ever, eat that? If you've ever seen that movie Old Boy, um, one of the scenes, he eats a live oh, – or squid. It's an octopus or a squid. Oh. And it's still kicking around, or sometimes they'll order it, and they'll chop it up, and the pieces are still squirming. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so I don't eat seafood to begin with, so I didn't try any of that. But that would have been, you know, the the most interesting item for sure. Okay. <laughs> and had you eaten any of that food in a Korean restaurant in the U.S. or was this your first time seeing any of it? No, I've I have had the bulgogi at a Korean restaurant before okay. I went to go visit her because she recommended that I try it. Okay. And I didn't want to wait, so I tried it in uh, in, in America. Okay, okay. But you did try some, some new things that... Oh, I tried a whole bunch of things, yeah. The food is amazing. It's so delicious. A lot better than I thought it was going to be. So you experience the culture, you experience the, the language, you experience the helplessness of not being able to speak the language. Exactly. Um, your flights didn't fall out of the sky, which is probably an, an extra bonus. Yes, that was great. Tell us what happened after you got back from that first trip. Um, so I got back, and um, I should probably say that during that trip, uh, me and Heyang, you know, we really connected, and we decided we decided to start dating. Ah, yeah. The plot thickens. The plot thickens. <laughs> so she became more than my local tour guide. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. Um, so when I came back, we just decided to um, continue to speak. I obviously wanted to try to um, further my uh, knowledge of Korean. I really want to try to make it my goal now to become as fluent as possible. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I can have nice conversations with her and her family or anytime I'm back in Korea. Or, or at that point, you only spoke English. Yes, well, I only spoke English. And of course, she would try to help me with Korean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and her English was good enough that you could have conversations in English. But I imagine there were there are always communication challenges when you're speaking in a, a non-native language. Right. So she speaks English well enough, obviously, where we can communicate. Um, but she also is working on um, perfecting her English as well. Mm-hmm. So we're both learning each other's language and helping each other. Okay. Okay. So, so you came back, you... Um, dug into Korean and tried to learn it when you had time. You were a full-time student, right? So mm-hmm. probably didn't have a lot of time. And, and then you, you made plans to, to visit again? Yes. So before that, actually, so we had plans for her to come up um, and visit me. Ah. So she came here, and this was her first time. She came in May of 2015. Okay. And um, that was her first time being in America, which was really cool. Um, so she basically had the same reaction to America as I had to Korea. Which was? Like, wow, this is totally different. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually funny because I was how I mentioned earlier in Korea, you know, everybody lives in these high-rise apartment complexes. So – when she came here and she saw where I lived, it was kind of like a suburban neighborhood where there's a lot of houses next to each other. And she's like, oh, I've only ever seen this in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's interesting because this is how the only thing I've ever known. Right, you know? right. So it was, that was really fun. Um, so she came here in May. We did a lot of cool sightseeing stuff together. And then, you know, I made another plan, and I went back there the following summer. Okay. Time. So you went back again, yep. and and by that time, you learned a little more Korean, so hopefully it wasn't the, the huge culture shock as the first. Yeah, no, the second time it was, you know, it was still kind of cool, like, oh, look, we're in Korea, but, you know, the shock of that initial, I knew what to expect. It was old hat. You said, oh, I've been here before. I, yeah. It's like my <laughs> second home. Exactly. A 15, another 15-hour flight. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. So so let me just summarize here. So you had this initial crazy idea a couple of years ago of just hopping on a plane and going to Korea without knowing much Korean and, and having just met someone via Skype and, and talked a few times. Um, you had this deathly fear flying. And you conquered that. Um, you met her in person. She wasn't a 300-pound man who <laughs> beat you into pulp. Um, you started learning Korean, and you started this long-distance relationship. And she came to visit you here. You went back another time to visit her. Now, personally, I thought this was awesome as, as this was all happening. And, and you were taking some big risk. You'd, you you were growing up. You were striking out on your own, trying new things, and um, getting out to see some of the world, which you know I've never been to Asia and just the thought of just picking up, you know, hopping on a plane, dropping down in Seoul. Um, I thought that was awesome and scary, but awesome. Um, what'd your family and, and friends think of that? Did they think you were losing it? 
Yeah, so um, I actually had mixed reviews um, on both of those. So uh, a lot of my my family was actually the most supportive. You know, my mom was excited, my sister was excited, my brother was excited, um, and they were all really positive and supporting. And then I had some of my friends who were thought I was just out of my mind. Like, why would you do that? You guys never get to see each other. There's plenty of girls here. <laughs> you know, I got that a lot from some of my macho friends. And uh, they just thought there's no way it would work. It doesn't make any sense. You know, if you can't even if you can never see each other, you know, how are you guys just, you know, how are you guys going to get to know each other more and, and just enjoy each other? Mm-hmm. But uh, we decided that, you know, it wasn't going to be easy, but we were just getting along so well. And when we when we met a few times, we realized, you know, we really hit it off. So why just end it? Because we live so far away, mm-hmm. you know, if we're okay. getting along, why not just try to make it work and see what happens? Do, do the best you can and make the best in the long distance yeah. and um, visit as often as you can. I guess as a full-time student, you, you can only go between semesters and, and she was working at the time, right? Yeah. So when we first met, she was actually studying every day. Um, to take an exam, she was competing with like a thousand other people to try to get a post office job, which they were hiring 12 people. Mm. So at the time, she was just studying every day um, to try to get that job, and she ended up uh, getting it. So so then she started working at the post office, yeah. Okay. So she was working full-time. You were a full-time student, mm-hmm. and you were talking via Skype daily. How How often... What, what's the time difference? How, how hard was it to, to actually talk? So uh, it's either 13 hours, um, they're 13 hours ahead, or if there's daylight savings time, it goes to 14 hours, which it's currently 14 hours now. Okay. So, so know, per- when I wake up early in the morning, it's going to be nighttime for her. Mm-hmm. So we get to, we use WhatsApp a lot, we get to text a lot, we Skype. Uh, there's this app, Kakao Talk. That is really popular in Korea. I downloaded that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk on that. So we Skype probably, you know, a few times a week, and we talk every day. Mm-hmm. And then uh, so it brings us to your most recent trip to Korea. You were just there in January. Um, yes. This was your third trip, and you visited Heyoung again. Tell us about that trip. So um, the third trip we planned on – um, spending New Year's together, and then so we would have a couple of days in Seoul for New Year's, and then it was going to be two weeks of just. She lives in the countryside, and it would just be she had to work every day, so it would just be kind of like just hanging out. Um, while we, and while we were in Seoul, we decided to go shopping for an engagement ring. Uh... <laughs> And there it is. And there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so t- tell me about that. You're shopping for a, something big like that in a foreign country can't be an easy thing. Uh, you, you couldn't just negotiate with the the shopkeeper in Korean. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so what? How, how did you go about that? Um, so we, you know, I basically had to just trust Hyung to do all the talking. Um, she was, we went to a few different places and she was just chatting them up. I had no idea what was going on. I was just <laughs> sitting there 
smile on my face, you know, and just when they laughed, I laughed to like fit in, you know, and I didn't know what was going on. And and she knew what she was looking for. So yeah. so she could uh pick exactly what she wanted. So you didn't yeah. you didn't run the risk of uh picking out what you thought was a, a fine engagement ring and then presenting it to her and have her say, ah, that's it. Exactly. I knew there was probably a 99% chance that I would pick the wrong ring. <laughs> um, I just don't think that, you know, I'd rather not take the risk and just have her pick out what she wants. Mm-hmm. So we had actually talked about this before. Uh, you know, most engagements, I think people, it just comes out like proposals that come out of the blue. Um, but because because of our situation, we have to do a lot of planning. Uh, you know, I'm graduating soon. Where am I going to get a job? Uh, where am I going to live? Am I going to move to Korea? Is she going to come here? Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of planning to do. So we basically decided together that we want to get married. Um, and we're just basically trying to figure, figure it out together what's best for us, how to do this. Um, so we're going to get a ring. So when I was in Korea, we got the ring, um, and then what she's going to do, she's going to visit me for my graduation in May, mm-hmm. and she's going to bring the ring with her, and then give it to me, and then for the week that she's here, I'm going to propose to her. <laughs> okay, so you picked out the ring, but you don't have the ring. You, you didn't you didn't propose to her with the ring while you were there. Right, because uh, they had to custom fit it for her. Okay. It's so, still being made right now. So so she has the ring. No, um, no, she doesn't have the ring yet. Oh, she doesn't have it yet. No, they're uh, still making it. They're still making it. But, making but when it's ready, she's going to have it. Right. Um, she's going to come visit you, um, give you the ring, so that you can then turn around and propose to her and give it back to her. Exactly. <laughs> All right. And then we will be officially engaged. So currently <laughs> you're, you are engaged to be engaged. That's right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... So you came home from from this third trip to Korea with with big news, and uh, you came over um, for dinner at our house. You told Claire and me the big news, and um, and it was very exciting. I was very um, happy for you. Um, but the wedding is going to be in Korea, right? Yeah. So uh, we decided that. Um, the way K- Korean weddings are, they're a lot different from a typical American wedding. Um, so basically in Korea, you invite everybody, co-workers, um, friends of co-workers, family of co- everybody goes. So she's going to have a lot of people going, and I'm only going to have a, you know, a handful of people. So it makes sense um, to plan it in Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that's the plan. And we're invited, which was we were very excited to hear at this uh, dinner when he came back, and and this is what really got the wheels turning for the uh, the couch to Korean challenge that we just kicked off, and that you know, we're excited we're going to plan the family trip to Carlos's wedding in Korea, um, but like you uh, three years ago, uh, we don't know a word of Korean, we don't know anything about <laughs> the language or um, not much about the country either, um, but we have time. And um, so we, we just kicked off the, the Couch to Korean Challenge uh, this week, which is uh, my uh, challenge to myself um, to learn as much Korean as I can uh, in the next year um, so that when uh, when we do go to Korea for the big wedding, 
uh, we'll be able to communicate and um, and we're not going to hopefully won't step off the plane in Seoul and uh, and be completely overwhelmed. Although I'm uh, sure that I'm sure that's going to happen, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the other thing when you uh, when you came back this time, um, you always bring back fun things for us from your trips to Korea. We look forward to what kind of um, unique um bags you bring back so you brought us a board game that has the rules all in korean so we we, we have to trust you to explain the rules to us <laughs> uh you bought, brought back a, a korean baseball from the uh, korean baseball championship um but i think the highlight has always been the, the interesting food um the the sweets and candy and um things that we can't get here we've never seen here so this time you brought back these two bags of snack the two bags of snack food um and they look very uh, I don't know, interesting or scary as uh, <laughs> maybe both. Yes, so, I have not tried either of these. Okay, so so tell me about the uh, the chicken macho. So the chicken macho, I believe they're kind of just these rice puff balls with a wasabi flavor. Okay. And, and the there's packaging. No... There's no actual chicken. I'm looking at the ingredients. No, Koreans tend to just go a little crazy with the, the naming of their products. A lot of their products just have names that have nothing to do with the actual food. Okay. So it has nothing to do with chicken in there. I'm going to pop this guy open. Looks like, yeah, it looks like a puff ball. Let me see. That's a fantastic wasabi flavor, just like it says <laughs> on the package. Does it taste like wasabi? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. It tastes more like, mostly just like snack chips, like just that puffy, yeah. cheesy. Right. All right, this other one says street food, and, and yes. lots of lots of Korean, hundred percent of something, but I can't read what that says. So what am I looking at here? So it appears to say, dokbochi, dokbochi. I have no idea what that means. Okay. But once you are able to learn the alphabet, uh, you'll be able to read that too. And they have these street foods over in Korea. And one of them is this heavy rice-based – it almost looks like a sausage. Um, but it's just a rice base dipped in a red weird sauce that I can't even explain the flavor. Okay. So th this looks like sausage on the front. Is this not sausage? I don't think it is. No, those okay. are the the rice. You can buy those on the street. They look like sausages, but they're not. Yeah, there's it's, no it's there's no meat in the ingredients. Again, um, it just looks. I mean, the picture on the front just looks like sausage on a stick. It's no, it's not sausage. And these little guys look like puff balls shaped like sausages. Let's <laughs> see what they taste like. Mmm, that one's nasty. <laughs> Yeah. See, mm. I wasn't a fan of, the, of this food. Mm. No, not but a fan. Taeyang assured me that they taste different. Okay. Than what the the actual street food is. Hmm. But now I'm scared to try it. I, I definitely try. prefer the chicken macho over the uh, sausage on a stick. Okay. Well, <laughs> try both of those. Let you know what I think. Okay. Well, uh, I think we're running out of time here, but. Uh, Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for helping kick off the Lexplorers podcast series. And uh, we'll look forward to the next installment and um, preparing for our uh, trip to Korea. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, 
I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how you progress. And uh, now you can start learning the alphabet and uh, we can take it from there. I, I will. I will. I hope the alphabet's better than the uh, sausage on a stick. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see uh, to see your transformation. <laughs> well, I hope it's a positive transformation. Yes, yeah, so it will be. It will be fun. I'm looking forward to, to diving in and uh, learning some new stuff. That's it for our inaugural Lexplorers podcast. Thank you for joining us, and thanks to Carlos for sharing his story. We'll be back soon with more language learning conversations in our podcast series. You can subscribe to Lexplorers on the lexplorers.com website.